We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, hey, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 27. The topic today is definitely one that does not get mentioned enough in the equestrian industry. So that is why we are talking about it today. This is the idea of the importance of mental and emotional health. All of us riders go train every day at the barn, riding, 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 and then go to the gym and get strong and work on our physical fitness. But what about our mental and emotional fitness? I think for a lot of us, it gets thrown to the wayside, which is a shame because riding, we can all agree, is such a mental sport. Some of us lack confidence. Some of us have a lot of fear and anxiety. Some of us struggle with perfection. And these are things that if we do not work on, can really hold us back from accomplishing our goals as riders. So I'm going to step off my soapbox for a minute and let our guest, the professional, do the talking. So our guest today is John Haim, who is the president of New Edge Performance and works with athletes in every major sport, including equestrian sports. So what is holding you back from working with a performance coach? You're about to find out from the best of the best. Here's John. Hi, John. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just getting over. I know we've talked the last week or so. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. So I hope my voice is, it's it's starting to strengthen again. So I hope my voice is okay for, for our podcast today. Yes. Sounds good to me. But I think, I feel like with your job, you are talking quite a bit. So I feel yeah. like, does that, that happen tough. often? <laughs> uh, well, it's hard too sometimes because uh, going back and forth on planes all the time, you mm-hmm. have tendency, your system gets sometimes a bit run down and you can get sick. So I haven't been sick in a while, but uh, this one has been a bit of a, a doozer, I would say. Uh, it's lasted a while and I completely lost my voice. And a performance coach with no voice is not a very good performance coach. So uh, I'm happy. I'm <laughs> grateful that it's back. Very good. Cool. Well, I am so happy uh, you are able to make it on the Equestrian Podcast today. Um, I'd love to just kind of get started for you to talk a little bit about your role and um, how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I work as a human performance coach. So I work in all the major professional sports leagues. I work in the NBA, NFL, PGA Tour, you know, some major league baseball. I'm basically all over the place and I have some really interesting clients. It's a really fun job, I would say. I'll kind of go forward a little bit. I started off as a professional golfer way back when uh, I had some success as a professional golfer growing up as uh, as a young guy I had some aptitude in golf so I went to school on a full athletic scholarship uh, and then when I graduated from school I turned pro and then played professional golf for six and a half years now I got injured I had a, a hand injury during the sixth year and I wasn't quite getting to where I wanted to go either. So it was a good time to make the break from professional sports and move into something else. And I moved into business. And uh, it's been quite a serendipitous route, I would say, to where I am today, which is a human performance coach. And I work in corporate. 
Uh, I work in the art sometimes, and I certainly work in sports, and uh, getting more focused, I work in equestrian. But it's been a super fun challenge for me, certainly. It's been a super fun route to where I am today. I executive coached in Europe and in Asia, and I actually got started in sports. It's, it's a bit of an interesting story. One of the people I was working for in Asia asked me if I could help uh, his daughter, who was an athlete. And he basically said to me, you know, with respect to a process, he says, just do what you're doing with us, helping executives and helping executive teams. But we ended up building a process for athletes to help athletes perform at a higher level. And we had quite a bit of success with her. So that sort of started everything. And then I came back to Canada and came back to North America. And I started to get calls from agents. I started to get calls from different athletes to help them sort of get to the next levels. So that's how it all started. And and now we work in, like I said, we work in all sports and uh, it's very fun. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, I didn't know that you played professional golf. I am a golfer too. Definitely not that level, but I played in high school, so I like to count it. Wow. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, I love it. So when you were a golfer, were you working with any type of performance coach yourself? I was, yes. I worked with some very top ones, actually. And, you know, I found it helpful, but I found that there was some things missing, too. So that was a great experience for me to be able to, when it came time to develop a process to help athletes and certainly being a professional athlete myself and knowing the feelings and knowing, you know, what athletes go through and knowing the challenges, that was very helpful too. So, yep, I did work with some performance coaches, some sports psychs, and I found it quite helpful in, you know, some pieces of my performance but I also found, too, that there were some things missing. So uh, that gave me the opportunity to add it to what I do today. So, mm-hmm. so it's a good experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. And there actually are weirdly a few similarities with golf and with equestrian sport is what I have found. The aspect of how mental the sports are and uh, thinking of a million things at once. And so um, I, I think that there actually were quite a few similarities. Obviously, you are having a full span of athletes that you are working with from all different professional sports. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the equestrian division of your work? Well, that's interesting, uh, Bethany, because about five years ago, I didn't grow up riding. I hadn't ridden before, but I must say, too, I've I've taken riding lessons to sort of understand the feelings of the clients. And certainly I've been to many clinics and talked to many coaches and been around it a lot the last five years. But how it started was I, I... I had a friend of mine whose daughter was struggling. She was a show jumper at the meter 20 level, and she was Mm -hmm. having a difficult time. Uh, She just couldn't quite sort of move to next level. She was having confidence issues, and he asked me to talk to her. So I put a program together for her similar to what we use with all our other athletes. We have sort of a six-month program, and then we mentor for six months following that. It's a very sort of, I would say, fairly intensive program where we build the mental and emotional muscles of the athletes but we put her into the front end of the program and it really helped her so as a result of that success with my friend's daughter uh, we started to get looks from other equestrians and also with the coaches too the coaches were noticing differences in the riders so 
So then we started to uh, to get some clients as a result of of talking to the coaches. So that's how it all started. And now we're at the top of the sport. I work with many professional equestrians. I work with equestrians at all levels. And uh, it's been awesome. I have to say it's been very challenging uh, because I didn't know a lot about the sport. But I think that was interesting, too, because I brought a bit of a different perspective because I wasn't completely immersed in the sport. So I came from the outside and brought that different perspective. But, you know, I feel comfortable now in the sport, you know, going to the clinics, understanding the sport, talking to coaches, certainly the best coaches, and then presenting to a lot of different uh, types of equestrians at different levels. Amazing. One of the big things I feel like is important to touch on is the aspect of equestrian sport being so mental. And I think that so many, pretty much every equestrian understands that, yes, there is a physical aspect to the sport, but there is a huge uh, mental mindset um, aspect. And it's very interesting to me because so many other professional athletes in different sports, a performance coach is very common and very popular and and, and kind of part of the uh, whole training process. Why do you think equestrians, why do you think that there's that struggle behind working with a performance coach? Because it's not, it's definitely not as common as other sports. Yeah, no, it's a really great question. And I think there's, there's sort of two parts to that. The first is the understanding of, a, of an overall performance model. And certainly in equestrian sport, it goes right in lockstep with the other sports where you have the four key areas of, of high performance. The first one is technical. And we all know what that is with respect to equestrian. It's the riding skills, it's the legs, it's the hands, it's the seat position. It's all those technical skills that you're always working on, the fundamentals you're always trying to perfect. And then there's the physical piece, which it's interesting, Bethany, because more uh, equestrians are getting more into the physical piece and going to the gym, right, and strengthening the core and strengthening the legs. And they know it's important because you have to support the technical piece if you want to have a good seat. And you want to be strong in the saddle, uh, it really helps to to have that physical piece. And then there's the strategic piece, which is, you know, going in the ring, understanding what to do, understanding the role you play in the partnership uh, with your horse, uh, understanding how to attack a course, understanding the horse, the stride length, all those sorts of things. And then the final piece is the piece that we're talking about here, and that's the mental and the emotional or the mindset piece, which is uh, which supports certainly the other pieces because performance does start in the mind. So it's very, very important for all athletes to work on this. And I think athletes sort of sometimes come to it and it, it's too late you know, they get into a point where they they realize that they what is it going to take to get to the next level? And I think many understand that it is the mental and the emotional piece. And sometimes they there's no mechanism to work on it. That takes us to the area of why equestrians don't work on it. And I think there's sort of three reasons why an athlete may not work on the mental and the emotional piece, which is vital to their success. The first one is it's not physical, so you can't really see it. There's a little bit of mystery behind it, so people don't completely understand it. The second one is they don't know how to develop the skills. They don't have a process to do it. They don't know where to start. Do I develop my confidence here? Do I develop self-awareness, focus? What do I work on? How do I build a plan? All these pieces that uh, you know you have to have, but sometimes there's no process or no path forward to work on them. Now, 
I think the third one, Bethany, is one that, uh, you know, I find athletes and parents alike sometimes, they think that if they have to reach out for help with respect to the mindset that there might be something wrong with them. And certainly that's the furthest thing from the truth, because I'm not really in the business of fixing things necessarily. I'm in the business of development and developing athletes and developing skills. So... I think, you know, generally those are the three things that hold equestrians back from, you know, getting involved in a program and really making it a part of their overall program with the technical piece and the physical piece and the strategic piece we mentioned. So I think the four pieces, if you want to be a great rider, the four pieces, you definitely have to look at all four. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So why do you think riders should work on building their mindset? What is the advantages to that fourth category of mental and emotional? Yeah, so, you know, there's certainly many things. You look at self-awareness, you know, I... I was mentioned I work with executives, so I sort of work at the top of the food chain with respect to, you know, CEOs and, and the C-suite in, uh, in organizations. And so I get to see the people at the top of their development. So I sort of have an idea of what people need. So with respect to equestrians, you know, things like confidence and self-awareness and focus and resilience and attitude. Uh, having a great plan certainly is really important. If you don't have a plan of where you'd like to go, uh, certainly it's very difficult to reach those targets. So every equestrian would like to achieve something or get to a place. And But how do you get to that place? And what are the steps and actions needed to develop that? Being a more consistent rider, certainly. Everybody's looking for more consistency. Enjoyment in the sport, really, really important. How do you do that? How do you enjoy your sport? Are you always anxious? And is it not as fun as it, as it needs to be? So, and you know, developing things like purpose and values and all these great fundamentals that are helpful, not only in equestrian Bethany too, but uh, a lot of the things that we work with, uh, work on, sorry, with riders, it's valuable in everything they do. So it's valuable in school, it's valuable in business, it's valuable in relationships, uh, it's valuable in leadership, it's valuable in everything. So developing these skills through riding is a fantastic opportunity. So there's many pieces to it, certainly. There's many pieces to develop, but uh, those are just a few of them. And I think there's the residual benefit, certainly, of you know developing these skills through your passion and then having it impact the rest of your life, too, which I think is important. Definitely. In your opinion, what would you say is the most important piece of performance? Definitely, and I would say 100%, Bethany, is definitely self-awareness. And that's across the board in sports, uh, in corporate, in the arts. Really understanding yourself sets the stage and is the opportunity to develop other things. So having purpose, having values, knowing how your emotions impact you, certainly from from moment to moment, uh, understanding your strengths and limitations, very, very important. And it's hard sometimes, like they see, these seem like easy things, but mm-hmm. when you start really thinking about them and understanding what your strengths are and what your limitations are and what impacts you in the ring, for example, what triggers negative emotions in you, you it's really important to know those things and then have a mechanism to regulate those emotions. So very key. So I think that self-awareness opens the door 
for to many things. It's like the, if you have a fire, it's the little igniter at the beginning. And then once the fire gets going, you, you can blossom out to all these other areas like focus and confidence and, and these things. Like It's interesting because some people, you know, they ask me, is confidence the most important part? Confidence is essential and critical to an athlete, but it's really important to back up a little bit and have the self-awareness piece first, because in order to believe in something, it's really important to understand it first. So the self-awareness sets the stage for everything. So um, that's always an easy question to answer because it's always 100% self-awareness. Yeah. And and let, let's say we have that understanding. What are some things that you would suggest for a rider to build that confidence? Well, the self-awareness piece or the confidence piece? The confidence. Once you have the self-awareness, how can that confidence be built? Because I feel like confidence is such a, a common struggle with a lot of riders. You know, I totally agree with you. And and like I said, the self-awareness piece is an integral part of that. So mm-hmm. I think working on the self-awareness first and being competent in that competency is really key first. So that's number one. So know yourself, know yourself very well, and then you have an opportunity to believe in it. The second thing certainly would be, as we all know, you have to work hard at things. The preparation is critical. So, you know, working every day at it, training, the technical piece, the physical piece, going to the gym, and working on areas like the mental and the emotional piece too can give you confidence because it gives you more knowledge and more understanding about yourself and and what you do. So the other thing I, I, I really like too that we do in a lot of sports is a testing aspect. So prepare, 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 and then test it in training. And then that gives you belief that when you do go into the ring that you can do it because you've already done it and essentially confidence is about knowing you can do it then the final one is the big one it's a really big one that people don't think about but the final gatekeeper to confidence even if you've done all the self-awareness work and you've done all the preparation and testing the final gatekeeper is always your own voice So the most important voice in your life is your own voice. It's talking to you nonstop. Uh, It's putting little doubts in there sometimes, as, as we all know. And the tendency for human beings is to be negative because the idea of the brain is for us to is is to protect us, to protect us from threats and survival. And so we really have to be aware of our own voice and shaping that voice in a positive way so that it helps us. And I'll give you an example. You could train and train and train. I've had Olympic athletes and training and training for four years or eight years and that voice, when, you know, when the final opportunity for them arises, that voice has to be right uh, because that voice is really ultimately going to determine how well they do. So it has to be positive and it has to be shaped in a, and it takes skill to do that too. So you have to work on that. Yeah, that's, that's such a big deal. And you touched on something just a minute ago, and that is the concept of fear, which I feel like a lot of us uh, go through, or everyone seems to really go through at, at one point in time in their riding career. What can we do about fear? Well, you know what, Bethany, uh, the thing about fear in riding is that it can be real because there's the real threat of injury in riding. It can be dangerous. So there's that fear. And how do you deal with that fear? Well, the best way to deal with that fear, certainly, again, we go back, if we go back to the confidence piece is the preparation. 
and being ready and understanding your partner and doing all of the training and trying to take as much risk as you possibly can out of it through understanding and through development and through knowledge. So that's what we can do. But the the other thing is, too, is we have a tendency as human beings to create fear, too. So and it comes from two places. Typically, it comes from, you know, where we've been, our past experience. Sometimes there's negative experience. And sometimes when we get in the ring, we want to bring those forward and we start thinking about them. You know, that uh, mistake we made or that, uh, you know, something that happened to us in the past that we bring forward that can impact our performance in the ring in the moment. Then the big one, it really is is moving forward and projecting forward and projecting out. We call it the what ifs. So what if this happens or what if that happens and what if they don't like what I do? What if they laugh at what I do? You know, what if my training isn't good enough? We're saying all these things to ourselves all the time. So we're projecting forward. And and to be honest, Bethany, too, 99.9% of the things that we project out never happen. But it's a tendency for human beings to project out, to bring these negative things from the future kind of back into the moment. And this creates fear in us, too, and creates anxiety. So... Like I said, there's real fear in the equestrian sport, but you do that through preparation. And for example, you know, if you have a, an adult rider, you know, things like safety equipment and those sorts of things would really help, you know, alleviate the fear of injury. But like I said, a lot of the fear we create, we create ourselves by bringing things forward. And that's the, the critical piece in sport is performing in the moment and not bringing, you know, things from the past forward and bringing uh, things from the future back to us. So learning how to do that is important. You know, a mindfulness practice sometimes that we have with a number of athletes is, is quite important. Definitely. Um, I think on the other end of the spectrum, we also should touch on the idea of perfection because we see that perfection, that strive toward perfection so much in in equestrian sport. And there's a definitely a difference between perfection and excellence. And what what do you feel like the difference is and why is this kind of concept so important? Oh, my goodness, uh, Bethany, this is so huge in your sport because I hear the word perfection so much at, at shows yeah. and among leaders and even among coaches, too. And it's such a, a dangerous thing to play around with. And right. it's not healthy because the reason, Bethany, is because perfection, when you look at it, it's illogical because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. So if you're always trying to be perfect and shooting for perfection, you're constantly frustrated. And this is where you get unhappy riders. Where we want riders to be is sort of in an area of excellence. And excellence is always the very, very best you can do at the time based on your experience and your talent and how much time you have to work on it and all those things. And to be happy with that. And I think, you know, riders would be much happier if they pursued excellence versus perfection. But perfection, we could we could spend an entire podcast, honestly, on (laughs) on on this topic, perfection and excellence and and me giving you (laughs) a million examples of 
riders who literally put themselves right out of the sport because they're focused so much on perfection and trying to be perfect and trying to, you know, reach the expectations of others and, you know, their own unrealistic expectations. So it's a big area and an area that riders really have to look like, look at if you want to achieve something in the sport and you want to enjoy the sport also, which is very important because that's why you're doing it in the first place. The idea of separating perfection out of your mindset and putting in the idea of excellence and the very best you can do, which is great. I mean, if, if it's the very best you can do at the time, whether you finish first, fifth, ninth, whatever it is. And, you know, afterwards looking at it, it's not like you're not going to try to improve. You're always trying to improve. You're always trying to get better uh, in equestrian sport. But uh, you have to also be happy with, with what you're doing. And have to and and be happy with your performances. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Something else I feel like we could spend an entire podcast episode on is yes. uh, the idea of drama and <laughs> gossip and that whole dimension of the sport and how that plays into our mental and emotional state. So, what would you say is the best way to? Just enjoy a horse show and not get caught up in all the drama. Yeah, so that's a big one, too. I just wrote an article, actually, on Horse Network about that. If people want to go and look at that, they can. Yeah, they can certainly do that. I was inspired to write the article because so many coaches were talking to me about the emotions flying around the horse show. And I guess as you get deeper into the summer and, you know, you you get people get tired. And as you know, right, showing all summer long, people get tired, horses get tired, and then emotions are a little bit more raw. So um, yeah, you know, the big thing, Bethany, really, when you go to a horse show is to put the emphasis and focus on yourself, which is your own horses, your own performance, your own training, your own coach, your own enjoyment of the sport. And uh, keep the focus off what others are doing. And social media now is a problem, too, where, you know, people are always posting their great performances and then other people go and look at it and they're they're not feeling great about themselves because they're they're thinking that other people are doing much better than they're doing. Uh, So you have that aspect of it, too. Social media is another (laughs) podcast. That's another podcast could do on on social media because it, it's uh it's a big one right now it's it can be positive but it can also it can also be quite negative too but my advice is always is to you know focus on yourself take the focus away from what other people are saying what other people are doing you know hang around people who are positive too who are who have the same sort of mindset as yourself Sometimes, you know, uh, certain people, certain riders, whatever, can be negative and can uh, pull your performance down or pull your mindset down. So choose choose people you're talking to and choose people who you're, you know, spending time with very wisely. But, yeah, this this again, this is a big area. And I always come back to focus on what you do, focus on yourself, focus on your own path, your own performance, your own plan. And uh, stay away from the development, the plan, the the path of others, because everybody's path is different. And you have to just, uh, you know, settle into your own way to do things and your own coaching and your own, you know, preparation and your own training, everything. So, yeah, that's a big one. There's a lot of drama, as you know, at horse shows and emotions can get quite raw. But uh, there's definitely 
many things you can do to sort of douse the flames of the emotions. Can we talk a little bit about the different pressures that a rider may feel, um, kind of what they are, where they might come from, and, and how to handle that pressure? Yeah, sure. So first of all, in my opinion, in the world that I work in, pressure is a good thing. And I think the difference between that sort of mindset and the mindset that many riders have is that they think that pressure is not a good thing. Right. Now, we we need pressure, Bethany, to, to do well. You need a certain amount of stress to hit an optimum level of performance. So there's an inverse relationship between performance and stress. So if you have too little stress, there's typically not a lot of performance. If you have too much stress, then performance is also impacted. Uh, so you have fear and you have all these other things that don't help you. So you do need some stress and some pressure, I, I believe, to, to do well. The definition of pressure is the feeling of stressful urgency caused by the necessity of doing or achieving something, especially with limited time. So sometimes in, for example, we'll use the example of show jumping, you have the idea of the clock. So that automatically puts you under some pressure because there's urgency that you have to get it done in a certain amount of time. So that creates pressure. Certainly expectations can create a lot of pressure, expecting too much or paying attention to the expectations of others. For example, parents, sometimes coaches, but often it's parents and others who have this, this idea of what they think you should do. And uh, sometimes our own expectations get in the way too when they're too high. We just talked about the idea of perfection and that can create pressure too. When I look at pressure, uh, I will tell you that the very best athletes I work with, and I work with some of the very top ones in the world in their sports, they look at uh, pressure as a privilege. Um, and it really is a privilege. And it, it's, something that, it's something that creates meaning. Uh, you know, just think if you had to just train every day, and that's all you did, and you had no opportunity to show your horses. I don't think it would be a lot of fun because it doesn't really give full meaning to what you're doing and you're you're not really testing your abilities. So a show class gives you an opportunity to test your abilities. It should be fun. It should be a privilege certainly and it should you should be grateful to go in and be able to test your skills. But I really think that uh, pressure does give your riding meaning, which I think is really, really an important thing. So I think perspective is important in pressure, too. That's one piece of it. And then certainly, like we talked about with a few of the pieces here, again, we could do another <laughs> another podcast on pressure. Totally. I think those are the things that are important. And then off of those, you know, you can work with individual athletes on what is creating pressure and what is creating the anxiety and and. Everybody has different sort of triggers and mechanisms of, of why that happens. But, you know, I think, you know, just generally for your podcast audience, it's very important to have the right perspective of pressure and look at it as a positive thing and be grateful for it and know that it provides meaning in your writing. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we talked about the importance of self-awareness. And I think piggybacking on that is 
knowing your your tendency or your struggle or or um, however you want to put it, and then putting a plan to kind of like a plan of action together. So why do you think a plan is so important? And it kind of seems like riders uh, sometimes don't have one. And so why do you think that some riders or most riders really don't have a plan? So this is a critical area, Bethany. Most riders that I have come in contact with do not have a plan. But think about that. If you want to go somewhere, you have to structure out how you're going to do it. So first of all, what do you want to achieve? What are your targets? Where do you want to go in riding? And then sit down and carefully craft that. So that's step one. And that's really an important thing. And we we put together writing plans for riders and it's very clinical and it's very technical in how we do it. We need to figure out first the targets. Okay, what are those targets? And But the second piece is, the most important piece, is the steps and the actions of exactly how you're going to do it. So what do you need to work on to get to that target? So if your target is two classes in the Winter Equestrian Festival, if that's your target. So how exactly are you going to do that? How are you going to become a better rider to do that? So then you start looking at all the pieces. You look at the technical, you look at the physical, you look at the strategic, and then you look at the mental and the emotional and how you're going to maybe incrementally get better in each of those uh, to reach your targets. And that's all drafted out. And the great thing about a plan is it holds a rider accountable too to uh, you know to what they want to do, and I think that accountability is important. Otherwise, you're just riding every day, and you just keep riding in your training, and you're hoping that you're going to you know get to a place. But I think having the plan and having the structure really gives a rider confidence in that. Okay, I have a plan on on what I want to do. I have the steps on exactly how I'm going to get there. And now I just have to execute my plan. And uh, John will call me and remind me, John will call Mm -hmm. me and remind me that I have to, you know, put these steps and actions uh, into place. We've had tremendous success with the plans with riders, putting together a plan and seeing them. I had uh, last year, I think last, yeah, it was last year I had, I worked with uh, 19 athletes. We were, we build well and most of these were uh top level athletes we had some other uh sort of uh amateur athletes but at the top level we built plans for our 19 athletes and 18 of them hit the targets wow so so yeah and it was through you know some of the work we had to develop some things like the self-awareness confidence all these pieces but having the plan i think really helped them and it was incremental you know all through the year, they got a little bit better and a little bit better. And I think at the start of the year, a lot of the athletes think, or the equestrians, as it, as it turns out in this case, they think that it's not possible to hit these targets because we create fairly challenging targets at the beginning. And some of them mm-hmm. look at me and say, I can't do this, John. But, uh, you know, as we create the steps and actions and as we move through and we focus on the process, we take the results out of it. We're not concerned about results. We know we'll get the results if our process and execution is really, really good. Yeah. So it's been fascinating that that uh, putting together the plan and having the pieces that they need to work on within the plan. It's been fascinating how well they've done. I'll use if you want me to, Bethany, I can use one equestrian as an example. Um, yeah. We had an, a professional equestrian last year, 
and he needed some help. Uh, he just needed some structure and some organization and some some pieces that uh, needed to be developed. And I think when we started, he was a professional writer. I think when we started, he was ranked in the four or five hundreds in the FEI rankings. He was a show jumper. And we put a plan into place early in the year. And then we just very small incremental gains, working on things, you know, every week and and doing exercises and, and training every week. He ended up at the end of the year, I think, jumping over about he ended up, I think, 140 on the FEI ranking. So we wow. you, know, you go from 500 to 140. That's a significant improvement and a significant jump. You're you're really jumping over a lot of very good professional riders. So, right. um, but so that's what's possible, and we see that with a lot of our athletes. We see that with a lot of our riders, where even the young riders, where we put plans together for them, they don't think it's possible in the beginning, and then once the plan is in place and the steps are put in place to execute that plan, then. They can see the results. And that's exciting. It's exciting to improve. And it's always exciting to get better. Right. So let's say we have some riders listening who are interested in working with a coach. Uh, What does a session normally look like? Well, for the way I operate and the way I do it, uh, I think people operate in different ways. I operate on sustainability. I think that you have to develop uh, these fundamental pieces, it takes time to develop them. You have to know what they are. You have to construct the plans. So the way I do things is I assess people. I put them through a discovery process so I really understand them so I can really help them. The more I understand them, the more I can help them. So for my particular process, I have a six-month process, and then I mentor over the next six months. So it's like a mm-hmm. year-long process. But it's it's – it's vital, I'm telling you, Bethany, it's vital to do it because that year that you spend developing the skills really impacts the rest of your life because not only does it impact your riding, but you have these skills that you can use in everything you do, like I mentioned at the outset of the uh, of our of our podcast here. So I think it's important to do that, to to build these skills, to develop these skills. And it can't be done overnight. It's like the it's like learning how to ride in one session. Is that possible? Uh, or learning the technical pieces of of riding in one session. It has to be spread out. It's incremental. Mm-hmm. It's progressive. So uh, that's the way we do it. And that's the way I found works best. So you work with a performance coach, you start at the beginning, you work on the skills, you build the skills, you create the plan, and then you, you know, you execute the plan through the year. So then, you know, you, you have the skills and you know how to do it. The other great thing is to you, you have the opportunity, if you build these skills properly, you have the opportunity to help yourself. So you really create a an independent and uh, an independent rider, an independent person, because then from that point forward, they understand themselves much better and they can help themselves. Yeah, I think we touched on so many topics today. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, th- I feel like I need to have you come back a lot more. <laughs> sure, anytime we can, you know, one of these particular topics we talked about today or others we could mm-hmm. dig into and talk about for the entire podcast. But uh, I think that gives people today an overview of 
you know, think about this, think about developing the mindset, the mental and the emotional piece. And trust me, there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, if you're a parent or a writer, there's nothing wrong with you. This is like developing your, your writing skills, developing your physicality, developing your core. It's like developing everything. It's just, instead of developing your physical muscles, you're developing your mental and emotional muscles. So I think that's a, that's an important message that this has to be part of your routine because it is part of the performance model. Yes, that's such an important point. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'm so excited to continue to work with you and explore some of these areas. But for now, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Bethany. And keep up the great work uh, with your podcast. You're bringing some fantastic information to equestrians. So uh, well done. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.